I know somebody who worked at a company that built a website that specialized in enabling telephony, telephony based experiences. So people would pay to talk to other people. The original idea for the website, this was many years ago, was maybe somebody had some advice to give about how to make maple syrup or something, like some pedestrian thing. Turned out no one wanted to do that. And of course, telephones are passe now anyway. But back then, there were two niches that became successful. The first niche became a site that's actually still used by cam girls called nightflirt, N-I-T-E-F-L-I-R-T.com. That was phone sex for men. And the second niche was psychics and sort of personal advice, but not from real professionals, just you could call in and, and the psychic piece was the most popular. And the vast majority of the callers to those <clears throat> were women. Ultimately, for various reasons, the company split up into pieces and the more porn-centered one became a different company. But I always thought it was striking that the porn side appealed to the men and the psychic side appealed to the women. And I thought that gave some insight into the difference in what men and women want. It's not that men aren't interested in being told their future or fortune tellers. It's not that women aren't interested in sex. It's just that like, when it comes right down to it, women want a companion that will tell them stuff they want to hear. And that's what psychics do. And men want to fuck. Welcome to Your Mileage May Vary. This is Mike. I'm doing a solo episode. Again, Keith remains in Europe uh, jaunting around. I think he's maybe on the eastern side of Europe now. And so <clears throat> I'm taking the reins myself again. And we're going to go through topics relating to women today. I'm going to mansplain. And I just did just a little bit of mansplaining for you at the beginning here, um, telling you what women want. Women want a relationship and men want sex. And it's the meeting point of those two where we have uh, the interesting experiences. Of course, two weeks ago, we had on somebody, uh, we had on Eric and then somebody I called Jane, who's the exact opposite kind of woman. Um, well, I think she wants a relationship too, but she has an extremely high sex drive. So there are exceptions. It's not to say that every woman is identical, just like every man isn't. But in order to have an interesting conversation, you have to use some kind of stereotype. This is something that makes people uncomfortable nowadays, having stereotypes. Uh, there's this critique in our culture that's very popular now that says that each person should be taken uh, as a completely independent observer, that you can't understand a story without understanding the person who wrote the story. That's why, if you were ever curious, that's why there's this thing where people say, as a white man whose parents immigrated from Poland or whatever people say, they preface what they say by that. The reason why is because there's this idea that your story and who you are inseparable and actually like you, your story can't be understood without understanding who you are. Um, the problem with that, of course, is that if you always say that back when somebody tries to generalize about people, then you can't learn anything about people in general. Um, if somebody, if every time somebody says to you, well, women have a tendency to do this, men have a tendency to do that, and you say, well, I know this one woman who isn't like that, like Jane, uh, then it's impossible to have any 
like real conversation because you always get stuck on this thing of like having to deal with sort of a fractal, like an infinite number of possible behaviors or personality types. So I reject that view, uh, and I think I think you should too. Uh, the way to look at the world is that <clears throat> while people are individuals, there are patterns, and the patterns are where the interesting conversations are, uh, and that's the thing you want to understand. The other thing I would say about this general topic of mansplaining and women around sex is it's useful to look at sort of the edges of the experience. So it was interesting to talk to Jane, or you heard from her a little bit, and if you didn't, you can go back and listen. Uh, but it's also interesting to consider the more unusual uh, areas of the sex sphere, prostitutes, porn, things where women are doing things that not women don't do every day. It's not that interesting to talk about like just a uh, typical woman who has married and has kids and has a very boring vanilla sex life. Like That's not going to tell it be very illuminating. In much the same way, if you're talking about men, it's probably more interesting to talk about sort of the boundaries of their behavior, just the guy that jerks off to porn. Although we do, I would admit, talk about guys jerking off to porn more than our fair share. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's, 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 it's more useful to like sort of look at the edges of the male experience. Like how far will a man go to satisfy his uh, prurient desires? So we're going to go through some questions today relating to these, uh, to these different topics. As always, if you have thoughts or want to respond, you can email at ymmvpod at gmail.com. You can uh, check us out on Twitter, although we just basically post our shows at ymmvpod. Um, we're also on Facebook. We also pretty much post the shows there. Um, <clears throat> and you're welcome to email in questions or, or comments. We do get a fair amount of feedback from our listeners, and that's great. Um, so I uh, to prepare for this show, I went and listened to a bunch of interviews with I listen to interviews like this all the time anyway, so it's not really <laughs> that much work for me uh, because I am a strange person who checks this stuff out, but with some prostitutes and um, porn stars, as well as an interview with a nymphomaniac, um, I was looking for clips. I found one clip that I'm going to play in a little bit from a a woman who got involved in porn. I would say that largely <clears throat> my experience from listening to these interviews confirmed my basic thesis, which is, for example, the nymphomaniac person, and, and I'll include a, a link to the uh, clip that I'm going to play, as well as uh, you can then go to that channel on YouTube and see a number of other interviews. But the it basically confirmed my thesis, which is that the uh, the rationale for a woman to get into something like being a nymphomaniac, porn, uh, and the like, prostitution, stripping, and so forth, is typically like something <clears throat> something's gone wrong. It's not really what she wanted to do in her life. That's not to say that there aren't women. Again, I'm talking in standard stereotypes, and it gets kind of boring if I have to defend myself every time by saying that there are individuals who aren't like that. But it's to say that like that's not. Um, the major focus. And in fact, you hear a lot of quotes from them saying things like, why do men want this? Like, <laughs> what's wrong with men? Men are much nastier than you would think. Uh, I remember one of the prostitutes saying like, essentially her view that like all married men are going to prostitutes and cheating. I don't think that's true, but I can understand where she gets that. She undoubtedly has had sex or given blows or whatever to a large number of married men. And she can see firsthand that the men 
don't really feel bad necessarily about their what what they're doing in any sort of overt way. And so you can understand how that would be a concern that, or like a reality that she would experience. And she doesn't, you know, the other thing being, you know, why, why, yeah, why is this great for men? The nymphomaniac, for example, she said <clears throat> uh, that she could see that her behavior didn't really make her happy. Uh, when I say nymphomaniac, I should be more precise. She, uh, and she called herself a nymphomaniac. I'm not, it's not uh, an ad hominem attack. She said that, you know, she has <clears throat> sex with many, many different guys. Like she goes on FetLife. Finds lots of guys, uh, different guys, has sex with them all the time. She keeps them completely separate from her personal life, you know, her normal personal life. She they don't they don't meet again typically, uh, and she just does this and sort of moves on. And it's just a thing she does. And she realizes it's some kind of addiction, better than maybe a drug addiction or something like that. But that it's re- a result of her being unhappy in certain ways in her life. It's not what she she knows. It's not like really what she wants, and that makes sense to me because. There's not that much of a challenge there for a man to have sex. Like I think she said, she has sex typically with five to ten different men a week. For a man to do that without paying would be incredibly difficult, um, unless you were in some sort of really crazy orgy scene. And even then, to to change women constantly would be very difficult for a woman. It's not difficult, and so even right there, you know, it's it's like the difference between a mouse in a maze having to find a cheese that's very difficult to find. That would be the man. For the woman, it's like. They just put the mouse in the box and there's always a cheese right there. And eventually like, well, the mouse will eat the cheese because it's hungry, but you get the idea that uh, it, it's not as interesting for the second mouse. Like it's, it's, it's probably knows that this is not really what its brain is designed to do. Um, you know, the, 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 the prostitutes, like there's a common theme that there's a common theme of drugs and kind of general mistreatment, but it's similar in that like they, while it's an easy path to make a lot of money. Um, it's not really something that they, I mean, it's not surprising to a man. Actually, I think men, one interesting thing I would take away from listening to prostitutes, and I would suggest people listen, it's kind of interesting, is uh, that I think actually for a man, from a man's perspective, like what they do is kind of grosser than maybe from the woman's perspective. And I think that just comes from like, men are very sensitive, or at least I'm very sensitive to the physicality of what happens there. So like the notion of just going out and having sex with a bunch of men is really hard for me. In fact, like the thing that would a thing, a main thing that would dissuade me from going to a prostitute is just simply the fact that she's done that with some so many other men. And so I don't want to sort of interact with that generally. I don't want to interact with men's sex lives because I know that men are kind of gross. Um, but that's not as bad for her, maybe because she maybe because she doesn't value it as much, or maybe because she already has this exposure to men. But that being said, like the prostitutes typically said, like, you know, they were sort of nonplussed by like all the foot fetishes. There was a guy who wanted to um, <clears throat> have the prostitutes, let's see, something involving cigarette smoke. Like he would blow cigarette smoke into her mouth, or maybe she'd blow it into his mouth and he'd inhale while he was beating off. That was just an example of kind of a strange behavior. And you know, like that there are many, many kind of bizarre behaviors these guys want. Even, and honestly, I would even consider the behavior of like wanting to have sex with someone that very plainly doesn't want to have sex with you to be an, a strange behavior. Like maybe, yeah, it's sort of fetishy, but like it actually makes me wonder if many men don't have the empathy to even realize the women don't want to have sex with them. That seems possible. In any event, <clears throat> uh, the, yeah, the, the, uh, the prostitutes, uh, are in this sort of category where it's like, they're, yeah, they're just, they're just going through the motions. They want to make the money. And in some ways, I actually think being a prostitute for a man would be harder 
because men index higher on sex. So it matters more to us. And so the idea of you know having sex with a whole bunch of people for money might bother us more. Maybe there's some analogy there, like it would bother a guy to have relationships with a whole bunch of people for money, although I guess that's what work is. <laughs> so, so I guess guys overcome that. But um, anyway, and then the porn star one, which I'm going to play a clip from in a moment. Um, well, there were a few of these. Um, similar story. Um, one of, you know, actually surprising, I think two or three of them, I spent a fair amount of time listening to these as I do, um, mentioned it being boring, which I think is kind of funny. Like, uh, I, 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 I always suspect that like the, it would bother guys. Like if there was a little meter over the bed or something and you could see the boredom level of your partner, it would bother guys to see how often that kind of goes up for a woman. To be fair, it can go up for a man too. You know, giving oral to a woman, for example, could be boring or just, I don't know, there, there are various aspects that could be boring if you're with the same partner for a long time, for example. But for a woman, I think it's more likely for it to be boring because there are aspects where the guy's just kind of getting himself off. He's using her body to get himself there. And particularly in porn, I mean, uh, one of the actresses mentioned that uh, it could take 12 hours to do a scene. She said the sex part was about an hour of the 12 hours, which I thought was interesting. So there's a lot of like the shots. It's funny because that implies 11 of the 12 hours. There was like an hour spent on makeup. So 10 maybe of the hours are spent on something that's not makeup and not the actual sex, which is funny because in my world, like the thing all the guys watch is just the sex part. And so the rest of it is kind of wasted effort. It makes me wonder why they do it. <clears throat> Which, by the way, I'll get to the clip in a second. But by the way, I uh, told Keith that I um, still watch uh, porn using the VR headset. And I think I found a, a genre of porn that is sort of ideal for me for the VR headset. And it's called Voyeur. It's VR Voyeur porn. Is that right? The word voyeur has to be in there. Basically, the important part of it is that, and this is kind of funny that this is what I like, but most of the VR stuff is filmed from the standpoint of the guy who's receiving the action, right? Um, so you're basically a camera attached to the guy's head, and then you're looking at your own body. But I actually don't like that as much as just a traditional scene filmed, not POV, uh, and then just with the 3D aspect. So it's much more like uh, realistic. Uh, I find for some reason I can get into the the scene more than that. And I guess one other thing I'll say before I get to this clip is it's kind of interesting to me. Like you might ask like, well, does like watching interviews with women who produce porn and it's very obvious that they don't want to be having sex in these videos when they make the porn, they're not interested in it. They find it boring, et cetera, et cetera. Does that decrease my interest in or willingness to consume porn? And the answer is definitely no. Um, it doesn't make any difference to me, which maybe is that lack of empathy I mentioned before of going to a prostitute. I just have it only on the videographic level. I think if I were with an actual prostitute, it would I would want to help her or something. I would I would have some sort of sad reaction that's not useful. Or it, would, it wouldn't be I wouldn't be a good trick, as they might say. Uh, but for porn, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, it's too much of a guilty pleasure. Like I just have to cancel that out of my brain. And uh, I do prefer amateur porn as assiduous listeners know, but I would like not let it kind of poison the whole experience for me. Okay. So this clip I'm going to play, her name's Chrissy. Uh, 
And I will post a link to the full interview that this gentleman did with her. Uh, I think this is fair use of that video because I'm going to just play a clip and comment on it, talk about it for a minute. Uh, she's talking about her first experience, I believe, in uh, shooting a porn scene. So here that goes. I was shooting in the mansion, this huge house with a spiral staircase and it's marble everywhere. And they have a makeup person, a hair person, and all these things that um, I had never seen before in my life. And, um, and they were going to pay me a lot of money. Um, and it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be showing everything. It's just going to be like um, Playboy style. So it's money. So when I was shooting with them, I ended up not sticking to my boundaries again. Uh, um, out of feeling of obligation, they they pay they're paying me. They flew me here. I owe it to them. I think that's kind of like my attitude throughout my life was kind of like I owe them. Um, so the shoot was kind of exciting in a way until you had to start taking off clothes, and then I would I I learned you know growing up being molested that you can mentally just check out. So I would check out, I would dissociate. It was as if I'm thinking of myself as being a piece of art and I'm looking down on myself to see how the camera is seeing me and to make eye contact with the camera. Like, it was weird, um, but I wasn't me. I was somebody else and that's the only way I could do it. Um, but then, you know, I got paid, but most of the time the money, that was like secondary. What I really wanted was acceptance and love and just to know that I mattered to somebody in some, any kind of way. Um, and that's what being in the industry gave me. So there's a, um, <clears throat> there's a thing that, uh, American propaganda, uh, back during the cold war used to do. Uh, which was they would now maybe it was Japanese propaganda in World War II. Anyway, you can look this up. But basically, the idea was to start off have a person start off on the radio, like saying one point of view, and then gradually be convinced by the other point of view. And the idea was like people would be like, "Oh yeah, I, I hate America or whatever. I hate Cuba." And then the person would gradually like start telling them how I don't know Cuba is pretty cool. And then by the end, after like six months, they would you know have converted some people by like changing the mind. And don't worry, uh, I'm not trying to convert you to. Uh, thinking porn is bad. Uh, that's not what's going on here, but it's an interesting point of view. Uh, I thought it was an interesting clip to, I, I think that's really common basically. I mean, uh, there was a sort of well-known series girls, girls do porn, I think, which was basically college girls who maybe didn't completely understand what was going on. And I think pretty clearly, and I think this is common in the industry. Um, and, and in spite of their best efforts, like basically you have women who are sort of compliant, agreeable, which is typical, and it's a, women are more likely to be sort of agreeable than men. They're just not sure what they want to do, and and then it's like, oh man, like first of all, they sort of dissociate, they check out, and then now you have this video of yourself having sex. It's on the internet, and like, sure, for Kim Kardashian, that worked out great, uh, I guess, if if you can call that working out great. Um, but uh, for many women, it doesn't work out as well. Uh, because they, yeah, it's basically just now you've done porn. It's kind of a drag. Um, and also like, yeah, I mean, it very much the way it's sort of, I mo model this mentally. And I think it's really, it's really hard. I think it's actually really, really difficult for men to see how sex seems to women and vice versa that, um, I mean, I try, but I think it's actually like quite difficult, which is, yeah, I mean, it's really, really super ultra important to men. 
And that's difficult for women to see. It's like, why would this be so important? Like, sure, orgasms feel good, but like, why? Why are you like orienting your entire life around just like doing this certain activity with your cock? Like, why is that? And really, and you know, why are you risking whatever prison, losing money, doing all these things like just around this one activity, and then vice versa? Like, men are just like, why don't? Why aren't women more pleasure seeking? And of course, an interesting side note here is that like drugs and sort of other kind of pleasure seeking like that. I mean, the nymphomaniac video that I watched is specifically pleasure seeking around sex, but like um, a lot of the women who are doing this sort of sex work and so forth have other sort of pleasure seeking things. And it makes me wonder if the more typical woman just doesn't have the same sort of uh, base base pleasure seeking instinct that men have, whereas men sort of want to jump into that. So I'm going to answer, you know, I'm going to go through some questions. There are a couple of, uh, we get questions ourselves and there's a couple of uh, forums online that are for women. And I thought, you know, what better time to mansplain uh, than when I'm doing this without Keith, because I just really like mansplaining. I went to one of them, which is called 2X Chromosomes. Now I haven't been banned from this one yet. I have been banned from cam girl problems simply because I'm not a cam girl. They didn't want my comment. I uh, believe I got banned for, um, what was it? It was something about semen. No, no, I know what it was. It was that somebody was using a dildo on cam that like has a thing that ejects what looks like semen. And I was like, I basically just wanted to know like if a woman, I think it was for the show. I was like, this is for my job. I wanted to know if uh, women really want a dildo that squirts something out. And I just got banned summarily because I made it obvious I wasn't a woman. So fair, fair play. But I went to 2X chromosomes, which is a sort of legendarily, <clears throat> I guess feminist is the right word, subreddit. Um, it's pretty hard to find interesting well, interesting questions that are not about Roe versus Wade there right now. Um, there are a ton of those, and these people are really upset about it. Um, I'm not going to talk in depth about Roe versus Wade. I am a pro-choice gentleman. <clears throat> However, I also think the decision that was made was right because I think it's better for it to be decision decided by a, by this this issue to be decided by people voting on the matter than an unelected judiciary and. I think it's too bad that people are sort of not able to debate it, like in European countries where a consensus was arrived at in all of those countries. People may not know this, but Ireland actually had abortion banned until, uh, I want to say 2016. You can look that up. Um, a very Catholic country. <clears throat> but this is something that can be solved through just actually elected representatives. And so I look forward to hopefully our country resolving that. And I, I do think it'll be a pro-choice result, uh, which is what I favor when that happens. But I, I do prefer voting to judiciaries deciding things like this. That being said, uh, people also really, really hate this uh, commentary from the Fox News crowd where there's this question they keep raising, what is a woman? That comes up again and again. And of course, they, uh, on one side of the divide, people define it circularly where somebody says, what is a woman? And the answer is a woman is a person who identifies as a woman. And then the response is, what is that? Meaning what do they identify as? So it's like this definitional issue. It's like, you know, you're saying you identify as something, but you're using that to define the thing you identify as. You can see sort of the circular logic there. And then on the other side of the divide, they say, what is a woman? And the answer is it's a human female meaning a person born with XX chromosomes or female genitals, um, 
neither of these people actually is able to answer the question correctly. So I'll just tell you the answer um, because it irritates me. The answer is the answer that they want to give that like should be given is uh, for 99% of people, a woman is a human female. And for those who do not identify um, in a traditional way, it's a person who identifies as being a human female. So like identifies with the group of human females. So if you took everyone and split them into two groups, the vast majority, you just take the people with vaginas and put them on the right, people with penises and put them on the left, and then there'd be a small number that would switch. And so it's easy to tell the women are the people that identify with the group that vastly, you know, that that 99% of them have vaginas. And that's the answer that should be given to that question if you want to be sort of trans friendly and stuff like that. And I don't actually understand totally why that doesn't work. So that's another one that's going on, but I'm going to answer some more interesting questions. Um, that come from there and some some other sources. So let's get into it. The first one starts. Anyone else noticed this? So in any relationship subreddit, when a person when a woman posts about how her partner wants anal and she doesn't, uh oh, the post is always asking, "How can I get him to stop asking? Understand why I don't want it? Why is there always someone in the comments explaining how to prep for anal sex and encouraging her to try it? Pisses me off so much. She's coming here to ask." how to get her partner to stop asking. <laughs> and then they try to push her into trying it. Why can't men just take no for an answer when it comes to anal? Now, nobody in the comments, nobody in the comments is going to tell her what I think probably would actually be effective, although maybe embarrassing and difficult, which is simply to poop in the toilet, not on the ground, but in front of the guy a few times so that he like starts associating your anus with feces. Um, I could say that that worked for me. So basically like I found anal sex really compelling and interesting and something that was intriguing in a younger incarnation when I didn't have much access to the female body and like sort of all its aspects. But when my access became more complete, uh, my interest waned. And that absolutely definitely was because I did not like, it's, it's just not as exciting when like you fully identify that like this smelly thing comes from that body part. And so you aren't as interested in it. Now I can understand that. And I'm sure this is a young woman asking the question. Um, you know, she's not going to want to do that. Um, one person, I mean, a lot of people responding this are saying break up with him. Uh, that's like the standard response. I should mention that. Yeah. For the, for the sort of female oriented subreddits, that's often the answer, which, which fair enough. I mean, I'm not sure the thing that's ironic about that is that like, and like, maybe you should break up with a guy that's like insistently demanding anal sex. Like, I don't know. I mean, keep in mind that like, he's probably demanding it when he's super horny, not like you're not just sitting watching TV or something at 3 PM. Well, 3 PM, you wouldn't be, but it's say at 6 PM or having dinner. And he's like, Hey, what about that butthole? He's probably not doing that. It's probably when he's super horny. And so one thing to realize for a woman is like his mentality is pretty different when he's super horny. And so probably a topic that's best addressed when he's not super horny. Um, I mean, to be fair, like culture has moved on a little bit here. And so, you know, we've discussed lately on the show, the fact that like really analingus is the new anal sex. So, you know, maybe it's at the point now when you like really have to have anal sex. Um, here's a nice answer that I see. Anal is awful and I won't do it. I've tried it, but was never pressured. Just thought it was something to try. I can't believe people tell women, quote unquote, how to prepare for 15 minutes of pure torture to please, quote unquote, her man. Fuck that. It's funny because I, I read, an, so I read 
I don't, what is wrong with me? I read like a, another study about this stuff. It was a study about reasons women try anal sex. There was a huge correlation. It was like 70% of the time anal sex is correlated with doing drugs or alcohol. So basically it's, I think there was some quote, it's like, get drunk, have anal. Um, and this was from a study, like it was a quote from one of the participants or what, you know, survey respondents. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely an occupational hazard there. Um, but in, in the study, uh, essentially all of the women, it was like 90 plus percent said it was painful when they did it. That's interesting to me because if you read online on more sex positive things, there's this really strong emphasis placed on, oh, it doesn't have to be painful. You can lubricate a lot. You can sort of manage it. And it makes me wonder if A, there might be like a survivorship bias of women for whom anal sex is okay. And then they start telling people, well, here's what I did. Here's what I did. But in fact, like it's just, you just are better at relaxing your anus or maybe have a bigger anus. I'm not sure. Um, or B, uh, like they, the, the incredible majority of relationships like are not well enough constructed for people to discuss things like lubrication and using dilators or whatever you need to do. I have to say that when I had anal sex, like we didn't do anything complicated like that. And I, I think it was a little painful for my partner. Um, but she also, yeah, I don't, I, well, it's hard. I mean, when you're young, like people, yeah, that's the thing. There's a lack of communication. So I, I can't really say whether it was something that she really wanted or not or enjoyed. Um, it's a, yeah, it's impossible. It would be impossible to say. There'd be no way of knowing. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, but, but the bottom line is like, it does seem like maybe giving this advice of, oh, hey, it doesn't have to hurt. You can use dilators and stuff. That may not be that helpful a device because maybe 95% of relationships just aren't that mature. The like, you know, the guy is going to say, Hey, I, I want to have anal sex in a week. And the woman's going to say, okay, let me start wearing my butt plug. Uh, they may not kind of be at that level. And so giving people the advice, is just, it's just going to be falling deaf ears. I'm not sure if the answer is to break up immediately. Um, and I do think men can take no for an answer. Uh, the vast majority of men take no for an answer a lot where sex is concerned. Um, yeah, and, and the fact that people online assume that you want to have it and are asking for advice on how to have it, as opposed to how to—I mean, yeah—you know, how do I get my partner to do X, Y, Z? Like the answer is always talk to them, right? There's not like it's hard to get other people to do things. Like that's why that's why the economy exists. Like if you want to get somebody to mow your lawn, you have to pay them. Uh, so I guess you could pay them, but I mean, it's, getting people to do things without compensating them is always hard in life. So asking somebody how to get something, somebody to do something—I guess you know—you could offer more blowjobs. That would be a compensation, but it's a little tricky. Let's move on. It's crazy how like half of men talk about, quote unquote, not all men, and how men are discriminated against and all painted as pigs. And then the other half are like, quote, you don't even know the half of it. Behind closed doors, men are 1,000% worse than you could ever imagine. Let me read the text here. So guys will tell me, you don't want to know my friends. They're literally all porn addicted perverts who just put on a front. When they're around women. And if women knew how men really are, they would never talk to them again. And then they say that they need guys at only nights because they're so tired of having to put on a facade around women and having to not be themselves. But then there are other men who say, hey, you can't just assume all men are going to be creeps. It's sexist to cross the street at night when you see a man just because uh, you just assume he's going to hurt you. 
there's just these wildly different perspectives. And it's really crazy how you hear men talk about their impression of other men. Thoughts on which perspective is more accurate? Uh, there's an edit. You know, what, what made me think of the, about this earlier today was my brother, who's the president of his fraternity, told me that he has friends who have girlfriends who they hate, but they that they say they have to hang out with because otherwise people will think they're weird or rapey since they don't want to have they don't have any female friends. Okay, and then somebody mentions the uh, the Trump the Donald Trump video where he said grab grab him by the pussy, and then called that locker room talk, and then somebody white knighted and said, well my what is it? Um, boyfriend or dad or something said, oh, I've never heard that in a locker room. My husband, my husband never, never said, I've never heard that in a locker room. Well, okay, here, let me give you the lowdown. Like this absolutely does get said in locker rooms. So somebody saying they've never heard it in the locker room or like among men is just, that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are men who would never talk this way. Sure. Like maybe very religious men. Um, people who are extremely like, upright, upstanding. Like, yes, there are always going to be, again, exceptions, but in general, men do talk this way. Like that's uh, pretty normal. Um, I didn't find what Donald Trump said shocking. He was bragging about um, having access to a celebrity, I think, and her kind of being flattered by his celebrity. I mean, look, people like famous people. That's the way it goes. Um, that's why I'm doing a podcast, frankly. Like, I mean, why do a podcast? Like, look, the best way to get famous, of course, is do a podcast. Um, that's not true. But the, uh, so the, the truth is somewhere in the middle on this. It's they're both true, right? Uh, men are all porn addicted perverts. I, I don't remember the stats. I don't have them offhand on what percentage of men use porn, but it's a really high number. Really, 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 truly high number, and it's something you can look up. I mean, these are things that can be surveyed. You know, Pornhub is one of the top websites on the web. Uh, of the top like fifty uh, domain names accessed on the web, a substantial percentage of them I don't have it in front of me, but it, it's surprising. You know, a lot of them are porn. And this is just generally true. And, and the thing that people say about the VCR, the I mean, some of the first films ever recorded were porn. You can actually find them online. Some of them. Uh, and the development of the internet. Look, I mean, the, the fact that this became possible on the internet was certainly um, in relation to uh, porn. And yeah, I mean, it's just not, it's just sort of not worth questioning uh, whether men are sort of porn addicted pervs. They definitely are. And that's why the person's saying that. At the same time, it's, it's possible to have that and then, and then, at the same time, have guys say, well, you know, it's it's not totally like that. It's more complicated. Like guys are capable of like committed relationships. Both of these can be true at the same time. Um, but the behind closed doors thing is 100% true. Uh, and I guess this goes back to my earlier sort of diatribe about, okay, I get this entire podcast a diatribe on some level, but the entire, my earlier diatribe about the, about women, porn, prostitution, and so forth is that I think women really do have a different conception. It's difficult, a little difficult for women to understand how men are in this regard, just as it's difficult for men to understand the lack, the level of lack of interest the typical woman has in sex. Like it's not, yeah, it's just a low interest. It's not that important. It's not one of her top like things in her life that she's looking for with a partner generally. Uh, whereas for a man, it really is. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and so it's so men do have all these behaviors and do sort of get into it. And it's difficult for women to see. And maybe it would be useful for a woman to 
observe men behave like this, but I don't, I don't think it would be. I think it would be a little bit equivalent to a man going, a straight man going to a gay, um, bathhouse. Um, I don't think, I think it would just be frightening, uh, kind of disgusting and would break some illusions that I think are important. Some cultural illusions are useful. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, you could say that that's one of the functions that religion plays. Uh, if everybody becomes atheist or has no belief system, maybe that's a problem for society because you cut out all of these cultural illusions, illusions, not illusions, that serve to protect people mentally and to structure the way they think about society and their lives. Um, if you if you remove that, uh, I'm not saying there couldn't be a society that was constructed around gay bathhouses. There could be, which is sex everywhere. I mean, some some um, descriptions of, of ancient Rome or ancient Greece have that in them, although I'm skeptical that that's actually what everyday life could have been like. Uh, just lots and lots of gay sex. But our society isn't built that way. Our society is built on sort of this dichotomy between men and women as regards this. And I think it's sort of useful. Um, you know, I mean, maybe, yeah. And, and look, frankly, like it's a little bit like the anal sex thing. Like it's not that great for men to be exposed a lot to women pooping, maybe women's periods. Uh, these are things that maybe don't contribute a lot to men, men's lives. And, all, and also like, uh, I, frankly, like uh, shopping trips to the mall, perfume ads, perfume soaps, things that men, yeah, things that were men, it just diminishes how men, th- men think, oh, women are just all kind of fluff and no substance. This is a similar to similar uh, kind of thing, but it is true. Men are pervy. Let's move on. Sex is too much effort for me to even care anymore. I, 37-year-old female, just don't care about sex anymore. It has always taken forever to orgasm, even my own, like 45 minutes with a vibrator. I've got shit to do. I don't have time to maybe maybe get off. That maybe is important. Like my hands and arms cramp up from the effort. It's just not worth it. It's frustrating to hear about women who have multiples and I can barely sneak out one half-assed orgasm. Lately, I haven't wanted to have sex with my partner because that's what's the point if only he gets off. Bless him. He does everything I ask for and will go down on me until his hands and arms are cramped. Like, what's the point? Now, this guy maybe should try the Kiven technique, which we talked about last episode and the episode before. It's an oral sex technique if you weren't listening, or you can go back and listen. I'm so tired of thinking, oh, maybe next time, or it's okay, it still feels good. Oh, that's brutal. It's okay, it still feels good. That's fine once or twice, but man, if it's every time, it's brutal. I want to be into it, uh, but the outcome is just so disappointing. I'm tired of feeling this way, and I just want to give up altogether. Sex is pointless. Any advice? And then, of course, break up with him is <laughs> the advice. Now, there's other advice here, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is good. Uh, somebody's saying, well, you know, What's the point if only he gets off? Maybe maybe he shouldn't get off either. So you can give him blue balls all the time. At least he would be more motivated to to solve it. I mean, there's so there are various advices that could be given here, like talking to a doctor, seeing if there's some like concrete thing that could be resolved, some concrete like medical problem. But I actually think this is I, I included this question because I think there's an element of truth here for many, many women. I know it's not true for Jane and Jane is listening. And I know you're probably masturbating right now and going to have an orgasm soon. uh, So enjoy that orgasm. But for many, many women, they're in this camp. I think Jane actually mentioned to me when we weren't recording that she had a friend who was in this camp or some camp like this of having difficulty enjoying it or something. And I think that's really common, right? So you have this thing where the guy gets to do this activity that's a straight line 
you know, he's going to get an erection. He's going to caress breasts. He's going to get a blow for a while, PIV, and then he's going to bust a nut and feel really great for a debatable amount of time. Let's call it 10 to 15 seconds. And then have some sort of like nice relaxation afterward. And the woman is going to have like some sort of random experience, everything from something like the male experience to just like kind of being bored and feeling taken advantage of. And then something in the middle where it's like, oh, well, at least he's enjoying it. Something higher up the middle, like, oh, you know, I'm, this feels good. I'm enjoying it, but I'm not like, it's not going to get me there. Um, and yeah, it's kind of lame to have that be the case. And a lot of times for women, it takes longer and it's actually like difficult to do it. Difficult to come based on your mental state, based on the time of the month, hormones, whatever. And I mean, you can see how that would make your interest be lower, make it be not something that's like this big goal, this big target. And I think that lies behind some of the sex difference. I mean, which is, a, so there's, a, here you have like a rational reason for there be, to be a sex difference um, in terms of interest and so forth. Um, rational being not just sort of hormonal, biological. A biological reason would be just, it makes sense evolutionarily for men to be more interested in sex because we can have hundreds of children in principle, maybe even tens of thousands if you're well-placed in a monarch in the Middle Ages, but I letting my imagination run wild there. But uh, for a woman, I mean, if you get pregnant, that's it. You're caring for that one kid, and so there's not much advantage to having a really high sex drive. In fact, for a woman, it makes more sense to have a high sex drive at the beginning of a relationship and have it go down later because it doesn't matter anymore. And that's what you see a lot of times in relationships. So maybe that's what's going on. Um, she didn't get that many answers. My answer is, you know, she probably needs to like see if there's some hormonal thing, but she may just be screwed. So not a great answer. Let's move on. Here's a rant. Rant. I'm so fucking tired of being sexually harassed every time I go outside in the summer. What's wrong with you, men? This is actually how I feel too. If I go outside, like let's say I'm just wearing my my Speedo outside with my muscles bulging. You can also see sort of the what the you know what the what the speedo's hiding in there, bulging, my sort of finely toned buttock muscles, and yeah, I mean, uh, um, I will get attention. I will get attention when I walk around in a speedo and nothing else through the city in the summer on a hot afternoon, um, and it's annoying. I think people should just ignore me and treat me like I'm not there, um, because. Yeah, I mean it's pretty. Con I mean, whatever. Like it's just a human body. But anyway, let's let's. This is a woman, not a man. So, but I understand. I understand directly what's happening here. What is wrong with men? So she doesn't get looked up by women, which makes sense. Why can't I even show the slightest amount of skin without getting leered at, catcalled, or fucking followed down the street? I I, I feel you, girl. I'm not wearing shorts for your viewing pleasure, you fucking creep. I'm wearing shorts because it's summertime in New York City and I don't want to die of heat stroke. Leave me the fuck alone, Jesus Christ. Um, then someone gave an answer that's supposed to be like, <laughs> this is great. It's supposed to be sort of a, I, you know, you go girl, but it actually kind of turns me on, which is ironic on two levels. I think the second level and my favorite being that like, now she has a comment that's supposed to be just totally platonic or whatever, not porny. And here I am a guy getting turned on by it, which was like the same 
complaint, but it's about text, not shorts. She says, I hear you. I get this every time I wear a dress. And this is the part that I liked. For some reason, men think dresses equals easy access, lift skirt and bend over. And then she says, I'm so sick of it. I pretty much only wear jeans now, which is like not jeans don't solve the problem. I think if she wants to solve the problem, she, she, she wants sweats, sweats on a woman. will. it's a real, it'll, it'll eliminate some erections, um, in her vicinity. She'll cancel them anyway. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So yeah, a man would have the same experience in a speedo, but I understand. I understand. I'm not an idiot. I get the point of this complaint. Um, and it's right. I mean, basically this is another thing that I think changes women's experience with sex from a very young age. They suddenly get stared at, followed, paid attention to. Um, and it's not exactly, yeah, it's not for their brains or whatever. It's just purely somebody wants to impregnate them. It's very animalistic and I can see how that doesn't feel great. And it's kind of annoying. Another person says, because men think the entire world revolves around their dicks. It's disgusting, but it's true. That's not actually right. Um, it's not, it's not that it's, um, it's not that the world revolves around our dicks. Um, although it does, uh, but it's, uh, it's that this is our lowest level biological programming. Um, if, if a man had a bear chasing him, he'd be afraid and run away or whatever he'd do. His heart rate would go up. He would feel fear. And if he sees a hot woman who he'd like to impregnate, impregnate, he watches her. It's really hard not to. Now you could say, oh, that's, you know, you need to overcome that. That's just biology or, you know, that's weakness. That's true. That's true. I mean, people should strive to be better, but um, it, it, most people can't. So, you know, expecting, it's like the uh, question about, you know, how do I make my boyfriend stop asking for anal? Like you can't change other people in the aggregate. You can change a few, but it's not going to work beyond a pretty narrow set. And so men are simply going to look and, and there's not, I mean, there are some advantages to that. Um, but that's, that's sort of where you are. Let's move on. Is this really the reality for women? I've 21 females started dating again and picked up a few sexual partners who are all men. Every time we have sex after they finished, it seems to be the end of it. I hear you. That's yeah, okay. Not once have they asked if I was finished. Hmm. And that seems to be the norm for me these days. Okay. I'll finish. I feel like I shouldn't have to ask for head because it should work both ways. It's starting to make me discouraged from having sexual relationships with me overall as I am bisexual. That's just last sentence is confusing. It's like, well, just have some relationships with women and you won't have this issue. Uh, okay. So um, if you've finished, wait, if he's finished, he probably doesn't want to give you oral. Depends on where he finished, but there's like that sort of issue of like the semen leaking out, eating cream pie, so on and so forth. Like he's probably not into that. Um, he doesn't ask. One reason he might not ask you if you finished is because uh, girls, women, sorry, don't like being asked that. And for a very good reason, because they feel it's pushy. It's implying like that the woman has to like, it's like, did you finish? Did you come? Right. It's like, it's like kind of a pushy thing to do. And so men actually are relatively unlikely to ask that because, or, you know, as men gain experience, because it's like irritating to be asked that. And so, you know, in this case, like you want to know, you want him to ask for a different reason so he can sort of finish the job. But, um, it's, it's sort of tricky. Now, obviously the right solution here is to 
have a conversation about it and um, to when, when in a non-sexual setting and just ask him to get you off first before he gets off. Um, and that's, it's a look, this is something young men have to learn. Um, I guess young women too, like the woman needs to know that the man needs, she needs to get off first. Typically there's a book I think called she comes first. That's like the point, or that's not the entire point of the book, but that's like why it's called that. Um, and for men, uh, let's see, men need to know that women need to know that too. They need to know that the guy's going to go into sort of post, post nut clarity and refractory mode and not really want to do it. And also there's the issue of where the semen went. And even if she, it's in her mouth, it's in her mouth and he's going to be reluctant to kiss her. If it's in a condom, that means her vagina has condom smell in it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like a problem. And so this can be resolved. Now, of course, one of the answers, because this is women's day here on your mileage may vary. Um, this person said she has the same experience and now she's celibate. She's decided that instead of having a conversation with people, she just would stop having sex. Um, which may give you some insight into the relative importance of this stuff in her life. I'm not sure. Um, yes, women need to deal with this, and it is the reality. This is the reality of being a woman is you need to orgasm before the man, man or it's going to be sort of uncomfortable. Okay, this next question actually uh, relates to, I should have put it right after the one about the woman in the shorts and me in the Speedo. It's a woman saying, not being a conventionally attractive woman is hard. So she's not conventionally attractive. She says, for the record, I, 24 female, love myself, my size, she's probably large, my overall appearance, and have a great self-esteem. I'm not here to seek validation nor equate my outward appearance to my value as an individual. However, it's hard to deny that conventionally attractive women get treated better, generally. I have conventionally attractive friends who make me feel beautiful regardless, that clearly get different treatment than me based on our looks. I will be out and about with them and yet not be addressed as often or even at all. I was at a bar with a couple of friends when a group of men approached them. Oh, this is brutal. I already know it's going to be brutal. I came, they came to our table, drinks in hand, and my friends introduced me to these men. They took one look at me, did not introduce themselves to me, look in my direction, or even acknowledge me for the remainder of the time they were there with us. Luckily, my friends caught onto this and we removed ourselves from their presence. I've had people comment that women of my age shouldn't be at my weight. I've been told it's not ladylike to have my body shape, et cetera, et cetera. Um, she has an anxiety disorder that makes her have some skin issues. Um, she has little dating experience, et cetera, et cetera. So the thing I think is interesting about this, I, I, unfortunately, I think someone in this situation, she's in trouble. She's in trouble. Like There isn't really a good solution. This reminds me of a statistic I saw about men and height. Um, and I'm trying to remember the, the the predicate of it. The predicate, I mean, the basic idea was it sucks being shorter. Of course, I also read that shorter men live longer than taller men, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there's basically like the height preference is vicious. The height preference from women is vicious. Also, I mean, I'm sure, look, obviously the preference for more successful financially men is pretty vicious. So this is a little like that, although the financial one you could fix, the height one you can't. So I understand that. I'm a normal height person, so I don't have – I'm at that perfect sweet spot where I'm not going to die early because of my height, but I'm tall enough to be normally attractive to women, so like 5'11". Um, the, uh, but this is – yeah, this is basically like the other side of the woman complaining about going out in shorts and getting leered at and catcalled, right? You can't have it both ways. Um, what women want, of course, is for men not to care about their appearance. Women mostly don't care about men's appearances, height being an exception. 
And the other exception being like the, the Chad cock carousel thing, which I will brief, brief, briefly recount, which is that a very small percentage of men on Tinder get almost all the likes or upvotes from women, maybe 5% of the men. And so those men are having sex with way, way, way more women than other people. So if you're a normal looking man, there's this set of men that are kind of golden children who have sex with way more people than you. Um, for women, that's not as much the case. There's a much broader segment who are considered conventionally attractive, maybe 50%, maybe 30%, maybe even more than 50%. But it is true that there remains this set that are not. And so it's kind of a damned if you are, damned if you aren't, damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for women. Either you get leered at, catcalled, and so forth on the one hand, or you have this where you kind of get ignored. And uh, there isn't really a good solution to it. Uh, I mean, there are things you can do in terms of losing weight and so forth, which which would help. Um, but unfortunately, or the reality is men do care a lot about appearance, obviously. And yeah, there's not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot you can do. Um, one of the people answers says, sometimes I think about all the drop dead, gorgeous, successful celebrity women who still get cheated on and remind myself that beauty doesn't mean happiness. And dating a lot of men isn't better than dating a few good men. That's sort of true. But the reality is that a person who has, I mean, there's certain traits that are important, that are, are valued by the opposite gender. And if you rate low on those traits, it's going to be hard for you to expect to find a partner who rates high on the traits that would go their direction. Um, so that's sort of a challenging thing. Uh, in terms of the celebrities who get cheated on, um, that's because and I assume it's largely going to be women who get cheated on by men. That's because the male celebrities um, have an insane amount of cachet and they are men after all. And so they're, yeah, I mean, I think the working assumption should be that they're just having sex with lots of people all the time. It's very hard. I mean, it would just, I don't actually honestly understand why above a certain net worth or a certain level of celebrity men even bother uh, having normal relationships. Maybe they get lonely. Uh, they want to have, but it seems like a combination of friends and then just sex partners might work better. Maybe there's some kind of relationship that women could tolerate with such a celebrity. That's like you have kids with them, you have a family, but you just, yeah, I mean, I guess like polyamorous or something where they he basically accept that the guy's going to use his celebrity status to have sex with a lot of women, but then there'll be jealousy issues. It's tricky. Anyway, this is the other side of that. It's very, I mean, maybe the ideal thing would be to be the most medium woman. So you don't get cat called. It's probably right. Actually, you don't get cat called when you're going out in New York, but you still get picked up at bars. That may be the ideal sort of area. Even then though, you're probably somewhat conventionally attractive. Anyway, well, you certainly are actually, you might be reasonably conventionally attractive. Let's do another one. My boyfriend fingered me and got angry and the importance of communication. Here's a short story about something that happened the other day, and I thought it would be useful for those who ask if they should speak to their partner about something. The answer is almost always yes. That's true. My boyfriend, 37, and I, female 26, have been together for a while. We have a very active sex life. It's amazing. Basically, we're almost always horny. Hmm. Probably a new relationship. Anyway, the other day we were watching a movie, and halfway through I asked if he would just slowly finger me. This sounds like Jane, actually more of a relaxed thing than horny. He told me to go upstairs and get the glass dildo. <laughs> Honey, go upstairs and get the glass dildo. It probably doubles as a crack pipe. Sorry, I was channeling Hunter Biden there. So there I was getting slowly pleasured and I could tell something was up. I asked if he was okay and he explained in a bit of a cold voice, I'm not horny. 
I immediately got self-conscious and felt awful, like I'd used him, and that he was mad at me. We, we stopped, and he said he doesn't like the movie. <laughs> I don't like it anymore. Uh, I didn't either, so we go to bed, and I'm freaking out. I feel awful about what I did to him, and I felt angry and ashamed, etc. All these thoughts running through my head while we're in bed playing Wordle. Okay. Uh, he isn't talking much. So then she asks him about it and he responds, what? No, I wasn't horny, but that doesn't mean I don't, didn't want to do that for you. I was enjoying fucking you with the dildo. I was, I was just mad that the film was so shit. I always enjoyed pleasuring you. That sounds right. Um, this is sort of, so what's going on here? I, I would interpret this to be uh, that the woman is used to the man being super into it and he was behaving the way a woman does when she's not as into it. And that was difficult for her to deal with because she's like, what? You're not always like just super up and ready. Sort of a learning experience for a woman. I'm not, I mean, sure, the communication thing is right, but I think there's actually like an, a deeper level here around that. Um, yeah. I mean, if you, if you want to be pleasured by the guy at a time when he's sort of not into it, that will happen. I mean, they're not always, and, and I mean, the obvious way to do that is to have him come first and then ask him to masturbate you something we've treated we dealt with a lot on the the show and so that's like a well-understood situation where the guy yeah he's just done uh and yeah this is really pretty common in that regard and it it reminds me of that um but yeah it's interesting in that here here's a well there's the role the role reversal is interesting right the answers to this question didn't see it that way that's the way i see it okay let me do another one advice needed for giving a bj please hmm I love being sexual and want to do anything I can to please my partner who loves getting BJs. The problem is I have a very sensitive gag reflex and I struggle to wrap my mouth around him without gagging. Sounds like a guy wrote it because only a guy would say wrap my mouth around him anyway. And I definitely can't go as deep as a lot of the porn stars seem to be able to. What are some practical things I can do to make giving a BJ more tolerable for me and more enjoyable for him? Yeah. I mean, you can practice with like an object, um, a banana, whatever not a banana, get like some sort of dildo. It's like the common advice for this. Uh, a problem. I've actually tried that by the way. I tried taking like a vibrating dildo or something and seeing what it was like, or maybe, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and it was uncomfortable. I think it was more uncomfortable than actually a guy's penis would be. Well, maybe that's wrong. I was going to say it's more uncomfortable because it was so like unlubricated. Um, which is an interesting point. Like you don't, as a man getting a blow, you probably wouldn't think much about lubrication, but probably more important than you would ordinarily think. But I think generally th- things that are made of rubber, I didn't put a condom on. I mean, look, I didn't, you know, spend all day doing this. It was, this lasted like a minute. I was just sort of curious. Um, it was made of rubber. It was, it was sort of like flexible rubber, which means that it had some pores in it. So like the saliva that whatever saliva I put on it didn't, just from naturally putting it in my mouth, didn't like, uh, it got absorbed and didn't lubricate it much. If it was sort of hard plastic or glass, then that would not have been the case, um, which would be more like a penis. So penis is probably easier to lubricate, but in general it, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was dry and rough like the sand on Tatooine. Um, <laughs> no, but it, it, uh, it, uh, wasn't comfortable, but I could see how it'd be useful. It's in a non-judgmental atmosphere where there's no pressure on you. That's the right thing to do. You just basically try it out. Um, one more question. How do you initiate morning sex? 
How do you initiate morning sex with a man? With a man. So you're a woman, you're initiating with a man. Told you these questions are all for women uh, today. Mansplaining. We are often already naked and cuddling and kiss, but I don't know how to initiate without just moving my hands to his crotch area, which often feels a bit wrong if we're tired. Normally, strong kissing is enough. We don't often want to do that in the morning, sure, or doesn't lead to anything. It's easier for men. Boobs are an in-between, which can be seen as cuddling or pro- progress things depending on the outcome. I don't actually agree with that, that boobs are an in-between thing. I think women know if you go after their breasts that you're trying to initiate sex. Like It's not. There's no like um, illusion there. Uh, I think that um, as a woman, I think you probably make a lot of get a lot of mileage out of just starting to masturbate. Uh, you might be reluctant to do that. As a guy, you would get much less mileage out of that. Much less. It's possible that would be okay as a guy. It's also possible it would be extremely unwanted, but it's certainly a thing you could try as a man. As a woman, I think it would typically be be wanted and not bothersome. Um, and also limits his necessary expectation of how much he has to do in the situation. Although maybe you know you want him to be involved, fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, like what, mostly what this is about is avoiding rejection, right? Like the concern that, for example, if you just like go down and start blowing him, like he might reject you and that's embarrassing. Um, so yeah, masturbation gives you a different out, which is you can be like, okay, then I'll just do it myself. It's not as rejective if you have a thing you can do that doesn't involve him. That's like a completely reasonable response to his reaction. Um, women also have the advantage that like in a normal relationship where the woman is not extraordinarily sexually motivated all the time. So in typical relationships, like it's going to be easier for the woman to initiate. If a man does this, yeah, I, I, I would just guess that if you had a typical relationship, if the woman did it, um, t- if you just took a set of a hundred relationships and the woman did it once, the guy would be receptive more than 90% of the time. If the man did it once, it's probably like, if it's a longer term relationship, it's probably 30% or something of the time that the woman would be receptive, maybe 60, but it's not 90, whereas it would be. So the, so the woman's not taking much risk there. But anyway, I think that uh, some kind of masturbation thing is the safest thing because then there's not really, um, there's, a, there's an easy way to back down. And uh, there's less pressure being put on the guy. And so yeah, it's a less embarrassing rejection. Although you do then have to masturbate in front of him, which may or may not bother you. Okay. That's enough for episode 75 of Your Mileage May Vary. Um, thank you for listening all the way to the end. You can rate and review the show on all the podcast apps. Send us questions or comments at ymmvpod at gmail.com or tweet us at ymmvpod. Hopefully, Keith will be back next week, so we'll have a more traditional show. And um, until then, uh, thanks for listening.